Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, Hackensack Meridian Health, Keep Getting Better, Seton Hall University, Come See What Great Minds Can Do, New Jersey Sharing Network, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, the Fidelco Group, Summit City, MD a provider of primary, specialty, and urgent care. And by Kessler Foundation, changing the lives of people with disabilities. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. And by AM970, The Answer. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. This is Think Tank. As always, I'm joined by the senior producer of Think Tank, Nicole Swenerton. Nicole, why don't we line up today? Um, we have four fascinating guests on Think Tank. Tell everyone who they are. We do. So we have Ira Robbins from Valley Bank. We have Dan Lombardo from the Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley. We have Pete Oneglia from Insider NJ and Lilo Stanton from NJ Spotlight. Yeah, by the way, Ira, the uh, CEO at Valley Bank, he talked about the role of the banking uh, world in helping people, uh, small businesses, not-for-profits, managing and dealing with the federal government, the Small Business Administration, the PP, uh, P program, if you will, the, the Payroll Protection Program. Also, uh, Lilo Stanton talked about the role of how important digital media is. Pete did as well in Eglia. Talk about that, digital media. It's so important right now. It really is how most people are getting their news, whether it's e-newsletters like the Insider NJ and NJ Spotlight e-newsletters that I'm getting in my email all the time. Um, if it's on online, on Facebook, on Twitter, all of these different ways that we're getting our news right now, um, it's so important. And we know that there are great people hard at work doing that great journalism. And the other thing is the economics of doing media today, even if we're remote, doesn't matter. It's not cheap. And in that spirit, I just want to say thank you to our funders who helped make this program possible. Horizon Blue Cross, Blue Shield in New Jersey, uh, Hackensack Meridian Health, New Jersey Sharing Network, New Jersey Economic Development Authority. Also, Seton Hall University, one of the many higher ed institutions that support what we're doing. The Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Fidelco, Summit, um, and also Kessler Foundation. So, so here's the deal, folks. Um, Nicole, is the senior producer with a group of great producers who make this program happen. It's very rare that we have four people on a program, a think tank program, but these are four different perspectives, none of them the same, coming at the COVID-19 situation from a variety of perspectives. The significance of what they're talking about will be relevant for a long time after we're taping this program. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Steve Adubato. That is Nicole Swinerton who makes it happen along with the team behind the scenes. Without further ado, Think Tank. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. We are taping remotely, as you can tell, and we're pleased to be joined uh, once again by Ira Robbins, who is the president and CEO of Valley Bank. Ira, how are you doing, my friend? Great. Thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Ira, the most significant longer-term impact on the banking industry, because this will be seen after in June and possibly into July, what are the biggest implications or the impact uh, impacts, if you will, plural, the impact on the banking industry? 
Yeah, I think it is going to be significant, Steve. And as you mentioned, you know, we really haven't seen it as of yet. Uh, you know, from my perspective, this is the calm before the storm, uh, based on a lot of federal programs uh, that have been stimulated by the federal government as well as by the regulators. Banks are able to defer loans at this point uh, from a payment perspective. So we're really not going to know until September, October timeframe, the sheer damage that's been done to the economy. At that point, it's going to be banks' responsibility to work with as many borrowers that are left to make sure that we can help get them through this uh, time period. So there is a significant storm coming within the banking industry from my perspective. Let me disclose this, that uh, in the PPP program, um, we received one of those loans and the relationship with the bank is critical in making that happen. Ira, describe, again, there are multiple rounds of this and we're not going to predict what's going to happen moving forward. Describe Valley's role in that and work with the Small Business Administration, the federal government. A, what did you learn from a B, what do we need to do to be better? Yeah, so it, it's a, it was, I think it was a great program. It, it enabled the federal government to get as quickly as possible money in the hands of so many small businesses. At Valley alone, we've done about 11,000 uh, loans to small businesses for about $2.3 billion dollars. Based on our estimates, Steve, we think we've had a positive impact in allowing small businesses within our communities to hire about 200,000 employees back, mm. which we think is significant. The concept of the program really was to provide a bridge for many small businesses until the time that uh, the economy was going to reopen. We think it did do that, uh, hopefully, and, and it's important now that the governors of, of many states that we're in begin to begin the process of reopening or else the two month window that was allowed for the SBA program is, is gonna end up being a little short. You know, Ira Robbins joined us on another program we do called Lessons in Leadership. Um, we talk about leadership a lot. I'm actually doing a leadership academy, conducting a leadership academy at Valley. Uh, and it's changed, the curriculum has changed, everything about it has changed, leadership and the expectations of leaders has changed. Ira, I may ask you, uh, six weeks after I asked you last time, what is the most significant leadership lesson you have learned as we do this in the middle of May? Communication, communication, communication. Uh, and, and I think that message is really important throughout our organization. There's a lot of fear among many of our employees, among many of our customers within the communities we operate. Uh, it's important for leaders today to one, establish clear communication with our employees, two, to establish calm within our employees, Three, to make sure there's confidence that the management team is able to execute. And then to define what that vision forward looks like within our organization. When we first started this, the first message I had in the town hall uh, was really describing the opportunities that we would have. There was going to be tremendous negative impact to the economy, tremendous health uh, concerns for many. But this was really an opportunity for Valley, uh, at least from our perspective, to define what we wanted our corporate culture to be internally. And then from an external perspective, what is that corporate brand that we wanted to make sure everyone knew that they would associate with Valley? And we were given that opportunity and we had so many people during this time execute on that, working till three, four, five o'clock in the morning, nonstop, making sure that Valley defined what our corporate culture was and making sure our customers understood what Valley's corporate brand was gonna look like. You know, there's another piece to this and it's also the whole question of giving back, back if you will, the role of a bank and supporting a community. Uh, we're on the other end, Valley is one of the many banking institutions and other great underwriters of what we do, but. You support nonprofits. Yeah. New Jersey, New York, Florida, Alabama. That's a footprint, right? Yeah. 
are you changing the quote giving? I hate to call it giving because it's more than giving, it's giving great support. Have you changed the philanthropic approach as a banking institution in the COVID-19 reality? So, so from, a, from a philanthropy perspective, the answer that's been tailored a bit, but I don't really think of our responsibility just solely to give out grants and to give out money. And part of our responsibility was is to give them an opportunity to conduct their business and be as innovative as they want to as to how they want to handle this. Over 10% of the loans that we did through the PPP grow were for nonprofit or civic type organizations. We prioritized them right in the beginning. In the first round where they were talking about the size of the organizations, we did a $452 loan. In the second round, we did a $77 loan. Why, why the smaller organizations? They are the bread, in my mind, and the connection to the community. And, and it's important from everyone, from a self-esteem and confidence level, to believe that there is a way forward. If the community does not believe that, it doesn't matter what a large organ, uh, organization says. It's important to have that at every level within the organization. So we definitely tailored some of the things we've done from a philanthropy perspective. But we also made real sure that the nonprofits, the civic organizations were part of that first round of funding and had ability to access money just like the large corporations did. Ira, you know, there's a lot of literature out there now about the changing nature of work. You're working remotely. We're shooting this remotely. Normally, we'd be at the NJTV studio, or the Tish uh, WNET studio in New York, wherever. But we're here. You're doing what you're doing. Many of your people are home working. Longer term, this program, this conversation seen in, in, in June, July, August, do you believe long term that a significant percentage of people will no longer be coming to an office or a bank branch, but rather working from home? It's going to be redefined. I, I don't think there's a question. It's our responsibility as leaders to make sure we continue that path and that way forward, but not automatically assume that everything that we did historically was wrong as well. Uh, so I, I do think office space is going to be dramatically impacted by by what's happened in our models, what we've looked at internally. When we look at what our reopening plan looks like, it's probably only about 80 percent of the employees actually come back to what a full time position looked like. previously. 80 percent, 80 percent. That said, when we look at customer usage of what of what the organization is. We're expecting a lot more digital adoption from many different age groups throughout the entire organization. So that's going to transform itself as well. So what do the branch footprints look like? What are the products and services that we're offering? From a capital investment perspective, where are we allocating resources to, not just from a financial perspective, but the human capital, which is the most important capital of any organization. So there's a lot of conversations we've had internally about not just what that physical footprint looks like, but what does the customer behavior and employee behavior, more importantly, look like? All right, real quick, uh, 30 seconds, the role of technology and innovation moving forward now and moving forward. It, it, it's huge and it's something that has been really focused on, you know, for us to really define what we want to be from a relationship bank perspective. We need to have technology as a complement, not as a lead, but as a complement to the human uh, experience. And that needs to be elevated and accelerated to a degree that hasn't happened before. So uh, technology is going to play an, an important role. For banks like us, and I think for many as we walk through this process, there's a clear understanding that technology is a complement to the human, not a replacement of the human experience. And I think that's been really expanded throughout the entire experience. Next time we talk to Ira, we'll talk a little bit more uh, about a topic we talked about many times on the Leadership Show, which is balancing work and home life, which he thinks about an awful lot, not just for himself and his family, 
but for the employees there as well. Ira Robbins, who is the president and CEO of Valley Bank. Ira, thank you. Be safe, be well, and we appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for the time. You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. To watch more Think Tank with Steve Adubato, find us online and follow us on social media. Cancer doesn't wait, and neither should you. Please don't let the fear of the coronavirus get in the way of your care. When it comes to cancer, finding and treating it early gives you the best chance of beating it. Medical experts are taking special precautions to ensure your safety during the pandemic. Call your provider or contact us today. Hackensack Meridian Health Nurses are available by phone or video. Call 551-996-5855 to connect with the care you need. Welcome back. I'm Steve Adubato. More importantly, we welcome for the first time with us, it will not be the last. This is Dan Lombardo, President and CEO of Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley. Good to meet you, Dan. Good to meet you. Dan, your organization is one of the many not-for-profits out there making a difference in a big way. In this case, um, you have three facilities in Camden. You have other facilities as well. And you're dealing with the homeless population who are affected and challenged in so many ways by COVID-19. Talk about it. Uh, we have been uh, providing services in the Delaware Valley since 1896. Uh, some people I work with think I've been around since then, but don't believe them. Uh, we're an organization that works with offenders that are coming back from the criminal justice system uh, to the community. And then we do, we've been operating programs for corrections since 1974. Uh, we've been doing services to the homeless for the last 50 years. And what we've done is, is we do a lot of outreach to the hardcore homeless, folks that are living in the bush, folks that, that are uh, not wanting to cycle into society. Uh, we also do that outreach to vets. We have a program specifically for homeless vets. And so when the COVID crisis hit, what we, what we did is we, of course, went through every change that we possibly could to keep our folks as safe as we, as we possibly could. So we've been sanitizing everything. We've been talking to them about good behavior for, for cleaning themselves, cleaning their space around them, and so on and so forth. So over the last, uh, I guess, two and a half months, what we've been able to do is really keep the infections down to a very, very low minimum of not more than a half a dozen or so people which is to us really remarkable. And because of that experience, what we've been asked to do by Camden County is we've been asked to run a hotel for them for the hardcore homes. And so what we've been doing is we've been doing that now for the last three weeks. And uh, what we've been able to do is get folks stabilized into quarantine for 14 days. And then after that, uh, we can move them into supported housing or to some other programs and services. So that with our medical partner and our staff, we're able to not only address the need that they have for uh, medical uh, you know, isolation, but we can also provide social services support. Those who are homeless are challenged in very unique and profound ways. What does social distancing mean to someone who's homeless? Well, social distancing is something that they're used to doing. Uh, you know, folks live very independently. Some do not want to be bothered at all. When we do outreach, for example, to folks that have been living in the bush for quite some time, when we reach outreach to them, it's a matter of building trust and relationship over a period of time. And then what we do is we bring them into a shelter program. Now, a shelter program, the beds aren't quite six feet apart, but they're close to that. And they have their own locker and their own space. And for the first time, they have a place that they can really have their own personal belongings. Then we can get them seen medically. We can find out what the issues are that they have been really struggling with, especially if it's addiction or especially if it's a medical condition. And then we can get them seen. And once we have that, we can get folks into services and programs. 
what the, what COVID-19 has basically done is it allows us to really uh, not only work with them on their personal health needs, but their personal sanitation needs too. Right. Themselves as germ-free as possible. And then what we do is we test their, we t- test their temperatures. We take their temperatures a couple of times a day. We might want to make sure they're, they're, that they're eating well. So we provide three meals a day. And then we provide 24-7 support. But Dan, before I let you go, I want to be clear. This is a long-term issue. This is not just in the middle of May. This, this program will be seen in June, July. This is an ongoing, sustaining issue. And an organization like yours, just like ours, a nonprofit, it has to always raise money. And the folks at Horizon actually told us about your organization. How challenging is it to raise money in these times for a nonprofit like yours? Well, it is extremely difficult. And I'm glad you brought up Horizon. They've been a great community partner with us. Matter of fact, if it wasn't for Horizon, we wouldn't have the medical support in our shelter for the people that are homeless. That's That's been a great gift that they've given to us it's, and the people that we serve, of course. But for us, we're doing everything that we possibly can to raise money because, as you know, as as government money, money begins to dry up, that's right, get tighter and tighter, it's going to be even more difficult to provide services and programs. So then what do you do? Do you shut them down or do you sit, put folks back on the street? It doesn't make any sense. Put your website. Let, let everyone know your website, please, Dan. It's it's www.voadv.org. Go on that website. Uh, Dan and his team are doing important work for people that too often are forgotten because they don't do not have a voice sometimes um, in the halls of power too often. But Dan and his colleagues at Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley, um, are doing it every day, making a difference for for those who are homeless and struggling. Hey, Dan, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And we'll also look forward to talking to you down the road. All the best. Great. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate it. You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Welcome back, folks. I'm Steve Adubato. We're joined by our media colleague, Pete Anelia, who is the general manager and co-founder Insider NJ. Pete, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. We're taping this on the 13th of May. It'll be seen later. There were just municipal elections. Elections, politics goes on in the midst of this pandemic. What are we learning about how elections are going to play out? Uh, Well, first, it's probably important to note that there were only a handful of municipal elections uh, that happened last night, Tuesday, uh, the 12th. Uh, But it definitely proved to be a, um, a good starting point to see what the potential effects of having an all VBM election might be. And the general consensus- Vote by mail, right? Vote by mail. Uh, general consensus seems to be that uh, a lot of areas, things went well, but uh, there are a lot of questions as to how feasible it is to have everything going through, um, you know, printed ballots by the county clerk and then through the post office. So here's my question, Pete. This isn't really about politics. It's about our representative democracy, Twenty, the 2020 election in November. It's going to look very different than other national elections. Yeah, but politics always uh, shapes every conversation uh, that we have. So uh, New Jersey, for example, weighing, you know, an all VBM, all vote by mail primary, uh, yet at the same time, 
President Trump has said several times recently in his uh, coronavirus briefings that he thinks it's a terrible idea to do um, BBM elections. So, you know, who knows where we, you know, where we arrive when we get closer to November, if we're going to have an in-person uh, election mixed in with BBMs, as we usually do. I mean, every state is different, but um, uh, there's a big question mark there. And I think everybody uh, who works on elections and administers elections is largely taking it uh, day by day. You know, it's interesting to think about um, when you do an all VBM election, uh, that's always administered by the county county level, right? County clerks. County clerks. Board of elections. Uh, when you have pretty much the entire voting process going through the post office, it adds an even bigger element of the federal government, which is just something interesting to think about. They always administer or, you know, they send out, uh, you know, the vote by mail ballots. But when you go from maybe 20 percent to 100 percent, um, there are just so many different question marks that people are looking towards last night to try to find some answers. It's been a mixed bag. Pete, let me do this. Speaking of day by day, day by day, I check your website. You're one of our media partners and colleagues. Tell everyone what the website is and also what Insider NJ is focused on. Uh, well, we, as I like to call it, we are a, a political intelligence uh, network, a lot of different information via press releases, original reporting, um, and various features and publications that we do, in addition to um, sponsored content and partnerships like with yourself. Um, I will say over the past, you know, two months or so, obviously the focus for not just us, but pretty much for every media organization and news site uh, has, has pretty much been COVID-19. Uh, a couple of things that we've done is, you know, we have a county tracker, which offers, you know, live updates yep. daily. Uh, with the numbers, which comes directly from the counties, uh, all housed in one place, so it's easy to access. Um, we have sort of a, um, a live running information center, which just kind of keeps people updated, you know, hour by hour on what, you know, elected officials are saying, what counties are doing, the governor's briefings, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, most of all, people want reliable data and information. Um, so we're doing our best to try to provide that to our audience, and a lot of people are relying on that. So you know, with with increased engagement also comes increased responsibility. Um, and we try to adhere to, you know, putting out the information in a responsible fashion, um, as, as everybody's trying to do, sure. because this is a, um, you know, un unprecedented, uh, as we know, and there's no roadmap for governments and politicians. There's also really no roadmap for, for the media. media. It's, right. you know, I would say uh, it, it's a brand new world. Well, for Pete, for, you have the same mission that we do in terms of reliable, relevant, accurate um, information you can trust. So check out Insider and JP. I want to thank you for joining us. Stay safe, be well, and I'm sure we'll talk down the road. Okay, buddy? Sounds good. Thank you. You guys stay safe as well. You got it. I'm Steve Adubato. We'll be right back. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, And follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Welcome back, Steve Adubato here. We're pleased to be joined by one of the uh, most effective, significant, and relevant journalists in the state. She is Lilo Staten, who is a um, healthcare writer for NJ Spotlight, you can check her out and her colleagues uh, every night on NJ TV News with a partnership there. 
Lilo, so good for you to be with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. That's quite an intro. I have to live up to that now. Yeah, yeah well, if people watch NJTV News, they'll know what I mean. Hey, hey Lilo, do this for us. Big picture. This program yeah. will be seen later after we're taping in mid-May. Describe the role of digital media in this age for people who are looking for relevant, legitimate, that they can trust information. Yeah, I think it's become, I mean, Spotlight, you know, it was sort of maybe ahead of the curve to be one of the early digital media folks. But, um, you know, now it's clearly we're all doing this on laptops, you know, from our homes in, in a different format. Um, so I think it's become more relevant than any. I mean, obviously, Spotlight is, is different in that we publish once a day. We do more in-depth stuff, but it also gives you that ability to published like that, which is so important in these times. Um, we actually added, I will say one adaption we made um, was to add a second newsletter. We have a morning newsletter. We now added a night newsletter, which is just a really simple, you know, just the facts, ma'am, kind of bullet points of the numbers of the day and stuff. And people have been really thankful for that. You know, just when you have a minute to finally breathe at the end of the day, you can sort of take it in and, and just digest a little bit. And I think, you know, one of the hard parts is there is so much news right now and so much media that, you know, people are over consuming in some sense. So you have to balance that, of course. Leela, real quick, the website so people can go on it and get valuable information. Tell everyone what it is. NJSpotlight.com and on it's NJSpotlight, just as you would think, .com, L-I-G-H-T.com. Uh, and there's a, a coronavirus hub page there yes. where we have some graphs and analysis and all kinds of stuff. We'll do this for us. Yes, people can find out every night on NJTV News, Metro Focus, the day-to-day -day stuff, check out the networks. But what are some of the longer-term, bigger-picture issues as, we, as the fight for a vaccine, for more testing goes on? What are the longer-term issues that um, an entity like yours, a media entity like yours, is focusing on, whether it's healthcare, education, energy, please help us. Yeah, well, I mean, all of those things have changed completely, as has, of course, um, the economy and what that means for the state budget. And, you know, your, your viewers know all that. Um, you know, when it comes for, to health care, there's certain big picture issues that we're looking at that we can't sort of stop talking about. And that is, include. you know, one of them is, what was the preparedness? I think, you know, the Murphy administration really has to be commended for being out there every day, being accessible. Um, but I think after two months of this, it's also there, you know, when in the media, we're having a hard time getting the details that we need to be able to communicate to the public what, what these plans are actually about, right? So I think there's, there's some questions for us, especially when it comes to long-term care. I mean, you know, what is taking so long to get the resources there? Why, why are these things, you know, why are these problems continuing for weeks and weeks and weeks? The governor's clearly aware of it. So, so I think we're going to be doing some, some digging into, you know, what did or didn't happen there, what went wrong, how were we, those kinds of things. And, you know, I can, I can promise you my colleagues, on um, the, the other beats are doing the same. So it, it, there's a lot of room for that kind of in-depth stuff as we get past mm. that sort of immediate need to report 
you know, sort of the, the very critical daily pieces of information that people need to keep themselves safe and, and as happy as possible in these times. John Mooney on the education front has been incredibly helpful to, uh, as you've seen the interviews he's done with Brianna Venosi um, on NJTV News. For those of us who have school-aged children, it isn't just whether they're going back face-to-face in a classroom in the fall. It's if they do, under what circumstances? If they don't, what does that mean? It has an impact not just on us as parents and on our children, but also on the economy and going back to work. Lilo, um, just want to remind folks one more time, they can go on Spotlight and check out every day important information, not just what's going on every day, but I hate to say it, but I'll say it this way, beyond the the headlines, what really matters and why we need to be thinking about those things. Lilo, I want to say say thank you. Last, Last words, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, thank you. Stay safe. You will. Do your best. Couldn't say it any better than that, Lilo. And by the way, check out Lilo and her team uh, virtually every night on NJTV News, providing important insight, analysis, and putting things in perspective. Lilo, stay safe. Be well. I'm Steve Adubato. I want to thank you so much for joining us. See you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Hackensack Meridian Health, Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, the Fidelco Group, Summit City MD, and by Kessler Foundation. Promotional support provided by the New Jersey Business and Industry Association and by AM970, The Answer. Transportation provided by Airbrook Limousine, serving the metropolitan New York, New Jersey area. Cancer doesn't wait and neither should you. Please don't let the fear of the coronavirus get in the way of your care. When it comes to cancer, finding and treating it early gives you the best chance of beating it. Medical experts are taking special precautions to ensure your safety during the pandemic. Call your provider or contact us today. Hackensack Meridian Health Nurses are available by phone or video. Call 551-996-5855 to connect with the care you need.